If you're here for the first time today, or if you're back after being away for a while, we are right in the middle of a series on the armor of God, and we're studying part of Ephesians chapter 6 that talks about all of the armor that we wear as Christians. And so it's been a great study that we've done together. The theme of this study has been that God fights for us, which I think is really great news, knowing that God fights. He's a, he's a warrior God, and what you might not know is that he wears many of the same pieces of armor that we are told to put on in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to be talking about that today uh, in, in particular. But in weeks past, we've talked about the three pieces of armor that Paul says we've already put on. If we are in Christ, we already have the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of readiness. Those have been put on to us when we came to Christ. And last week, we talked about taking up the shield of faith. And if you were here with us, maybe you remember the ABCD of faith. How many of you remember? All right, I might not have done a very good job. Two people remember. Say it with me. When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. And quench is spelled with a C in the ABCDs. All right, so uh, if you miss those, you can catch up on our podcast. But today, we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. I'm really excited about this, uh, talking about how we protect our brains and what salvation does for us. So it's going to be great. But before we get into all of that, we're going to let the kids go back to their classrooms and give you a chance to grab some refreshments. And while you're doing that, I have a question for you to discuss with somebody near you, all right? Ask somebody to share with you a time when they wore a helmet. Okay, any kind of a helmet, time when they wore a helmet. So get a couple of stories, grab some donuts, kids go to your classrooms, and we'll get started with our teaching time in about seven minutes. One of my earliest childhood memories was uh, when my dad bought a brand new 1964 Thunderbird. And I don't know if we have any T-Bird fans in the house. Uh, but uh, my dad loved this car, and even though I was very, very young, I was probably three, four in that neighborhood. He only owned the car for a couple of years, uh, but he was so proud of this car, and I have really vivid memories of riding in this car. And right after they bought this car, my mom and dad bought a, a child car seat for the T-Bird, and uh, the child car seat looked something like this. I couldn't find the exact picture of the car seat, but it looked a little bit like this. The T-Bird had bucket seats in the front, and there was this console between the seats, and the child seat straddled that console. I don't even really remember if it was attached to anything. It just straddled that console. And, and then uh, I can remember, and, and I don't know why this is a vivid memory, but I remember buckling this little thin vinyl seatbelt. You can see that seatbelt? And that's what restrained children in 1964. And um, when I was thinking about this this week, you know, as much as I loved riding in that car seat, if we had ever been in an accident, I don't think that little vinyl piece of plastic would have done much good. In fact, I think riding in that car seat and launching into the windshield probably would have done more damage than if I was riding in the back unrestrained, don't you think? And, um, but I, I just have this vivid memory. But today, 50 years later, we have become people who are safety-obsessed. You know what I'm talking about. We, we safety everything. We even have commercials about how your car seat isn't good enough for your children and you need to go to some government website to find out what the, what the newest technology is. But one of the things that's very important in our culture 
is helmets. And I heard uh, lots of you talking about helmets during our break. In fact, Steve was sharing with me, you've, you've got a hockey helmet and a skateboarding helmet and a, I don't remember all of them. You've just got half a dozen of them. And he said, and that's just what I wore yesterday. So um, uh, we, we wear a lot of helmets. And, and the reason that helmets are such an important thing to us in our culture today is because the brain is the control center for the whole body, right? The brain is the control center for the whole body. And so when we start thinking about safety, we know that taking care of this brain is of, of the utmost importance. It's got to be protected at all costs. And this was really vividly illustrated just this week. Uh, I was looking at Facebook a couple of days ago, and one of our connectors, Terry Whitesit, posted a picture on her Facebook page, I've got it up here, of her daughter, Sydney, who was thrown by a horse, and she put up there, thank God Sydney was wearing a helmet. And Sydney came to church for a service, and she brought her helmet to show me. And this helmet is cracked right up the minute. And this could have been Sydney's noggin, right? But the, the helmet took the impact, and Sydney's just fine. She, she was sitting right here this morning. I said, how are you doing, Sydney? And she said, I, I just have a little headache. Uh, but uh, there's no brain damage, right? Because we've come to understand that the brain has got to be protected at all costs. And I'm, I'm so thankful that Sydney is okay. But what if something terrible happened to your brain? What if the un- thinkable happened. It happens to some of us. Uh, Some of you are aware about three weeks ago, a young woman by the name of Maddie was in a terrible car accident in the middle of of the night. And uh, what a lot of you probably don't realize is that she's been a part of Connect Church. A couple of years ago, she was attending here with her aunt and uh, she made a commitment to follow Christ two years ago. And Chris and I have kept in touch with her And three weeks ago, she was in a terrible car accident. She wasn't wearing a seatbelt. She was driving a nice car, six airbags deployed. But because she wasn't wearing her seatbelt, she sailed over the airbags and impacted the windshield with her head. And she has a massive brain injury. And, And it's just very, very sad. She's in the hospital in Billings. She hasn't woken up yet. Chris and I went over to Billings to, to meet with her family and, and we just sat with Maddie and we prayed with her and prayed over her and we just encouraged her if she could hear us to trust Jesus uh, be, because we're just praying and upholding her and believing uh, with all the faith that we have that Jesus will heal her. And, uh, and, and, and we have hope for that. But there's days when family members are sitting around Maddie and just praying and wishing and hoping and she doesn't wake up and we get to that point where we just feel hopeless have you ever been there when you're when you're praying and you're praying about something and you want something so bad to change in your situation and you don't get what you want or there's a situation in your life that just has got you so down that you come to that place where you feel hopeless can i just ask you today What is it in your life that takes you to that place of hopelessness? If you're there today, I'm glad you're here today because uh, we're going to talk about hope. And the helmet of salvation has everything to do with hope. We're picking up our study today in Ephesians 6, 17. It's the next verse in this study that we've been doing. and, And this little phrase is just so simple 
Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. Some versions say, put on the helmet of salvation. This is one of these pieces of armor that we have the responsibility of taking action and doing something to protect our brains. And what's interesting to me is that in this list of of pieces of armor, Paul says that the piece of armor, the helmet that protects our brains is salvation. And if you think about it a little bit, it might not seem really clear. Now, theologians believe that Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians from a prison, a Roman prison, and he was probably guarded by uh, a guard who was wearing full Roman armor. And over the last several weeks, I've shown you videos of what this armor looked like. The Roman helmet, really, uh, there's not much I can say about it. It's just a helmet. It was incredibly well constructed, and it protected every part of the head. Because just like today, Romans understood that if you take a severe blow to the head, you're finished. The battle is over. You are toast. And so when Paul said that salvation is a helmet, he was telling us something very, very important. And there's two reasons why I think he chose salvation to be the thing that he said protects our brain. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes this morning, you can jot this down. The first reason that Paul says salvation is the helmet is because God himself wears the helmet of salvation. God himself wears the helmet of salvation. And we read this in Isaiah 59, verse 17. It tells us that the helmet of salvation is God's own armor. And and what I think is this. If God wears the helmet of salvation... Why the heck wouldn't I wear the helmet of salvation? I need to wear it if God himself needs to wear it. And so uh, I have a responsibility to protect my brain with salvation. If I'm riding my bicycle, and I do from time to time, right now I have two flat tires, but that's going to change pretty soon. But if I go riding a bicycle, I'm going to wear my bicycle helmet. Why am I going to wear a helmet? Well, if I'm trucking down, Uh, the street and there's a low hanging branch and I run into that branch with my head, this helmet is going to absorb the impact and it's going to make sure that my brain doesn't get injured. And in the same way, Paul is telling us that salvation is the thing that protects our brains. And so when I get dressed in the morning and I'm ready for the day, every single day, It's important that my brain is protected with salvation. Now, the second reason that Paul says salvation is the helmet is uh, found in 1 Thessalonians 5.8. And here's what we read there. We read that the helmet is the hope of salvation. The helmet is the hope of salvation. So not only does salvation protect my brain, but Paul tells us that it's the hope that comes from salvation that will protect our minds, our brains. And every day when you're putting the armor of God on, the hope of salvation is a critical part of your spiritual armor. We're going to unpack that a little bit this morning together. But this leads us to our big idea today that I hope you'll write down and I hope that this will stick with you. And it's this, I can hope because Jesus is saving me. I can hope because Jesus is saving me. I want you to remember that 
The word saving or save is the root word of the word salvation. And when we talk about salvation protecting our brain, we're talking about Jesus saving us and the hope that that brings. That's going to be illustrated in the first passage of the Bible that we want to look at today. So if you've got your Bibles, would you open up and turn to John chapter 5 with me? John chapter 5. If you're new to a Bible, John is the fourth book in the New Testament, and you can find the New Testament after all the Old Testament books, and then there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm going to start reading right at the beginning of John chapter 5. Here's what we read. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays, holy days. And inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Can you imagine being sick for 38 years? We understand that this man had been lame. His legs didn't work. We don't know why, but for whatever reason, he had been laying sick for 38 years, unable to use his legs. And verse 6 says that when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, Jesus asked him, would you like to get well? Now, more literal translations translate that question of Jesus as this way. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? You see, Jesus perceived that this man was broken. And maybe you can relate to this guy, even though you might not be paralyzed. Maybe you realize that there is a brokenness in you that leads to hopelessness from time to time. Whatever that brokenness might be for you. Maybe your career is broken, or your finances are broken, or your love life is broken, or your health is broken. Or maybe some people really struggle with this. Uh, there's a thing that's called a broken brain and it's a real thing and maybe that's your brokenness. And Jesus asks, do you want to be made whole? And I think it's so fascinating how the man responded when Jesus asked, do you want to be made whole? Take a look at it if you've got your Bibles open. Verse seven, the man says, I can't. I can't, sir. He says, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. What he's referring to is an old Jewish uh, fable about this pool that said that, that from time to time an angel would come and stir the waters and the first one that would jump into the water would be healed of whatever disease he had. And this man, because he couldn't move well, could never get to the pool. So when Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? His first response was, I can't. Wholeness is impossible. Can you hear his hopelessness? And, and, and maybe you can relate to that kind of hopelessness that when you think of Jesus making you whole, your first response is, it's not gonna happen to me. I had somebody uh, just recently even talk about the the story that that was shared last Sunday about the miracles that God did in in a connector's life. And they said to me, why doesn't that ever happen to me? 
That stuff happens to everybody else at Connect, but it doesn't happen to me. Have you ever felt that way? And when Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? Sometimes our first response is, it it won't happen to me. But I want you to see what Jesus says to this hopeless man. Verse eight. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly, the Bible says, the man was healed, and he rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. Do you know what I see here in this story? I see that Jesus is in the business of saving hopeless people. Jesus is in the business of saving even broken people who have come to the place where they feel like they have no hope. And that's why I say this morning, that's why our big idea today is that you can hope because Jesus is saving you. I can hope because Jesus is saving me. Would you just say that out loud with me? I can hope because Jesus is saving me. And I want to unpack that for us a little bit today and talk about what it means for Jesus to be saving me. And there's three parts of this that I want you to see as we unpack this together. And the first one is that Jesus is saving me in the past. Or maybe I should say Jesus has saved me in the past. There's a point in time where I put my faith in Jesus And I prayed for Jesus to forgive my sins. He washed me up. He cleaned me up. He changed me from the inside out. And he put me on a completely different life trajectory. I don't know. I can't even imagine what my life would be like today if I hadn't made a decision when I was 17 that I was going to follow Jesus and this is how I was going to spend my life. And and many of you can relate to that. You can point to some time in the past where you made an adult decision, or maybe it was a time when you were a child, but at any rate, you made a decision to follow Christ. For some of you, that's still in your future because you haven't yet made that decision. Uh, It might be 10 minutes in your future, but it's in your future nonetheless. And, and, And if you haven't yet made that a part of your life, I hope you will today. But sometimes we get really focused on that prayer on that event, that one day that Jesus saved me. But there's more to Jesus saving me than just one day in the past. There's also saving that's taking place in my present. Jesus is saving me in my present, and he's saving me from the enemy's work. This is why we talk about the armor of God. It's because this armor The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Next week, the sword of the spirit. These pieces of armor are saving me from the attacks of the enemy because you know what? He wants to burn you down. We talked about that last week. He wants to take you out. And Jesus is saving me right now in the present. And this is what was happening in this lame man's life as well. This is a fascinating story. If you still have your Bibles open, you can scan down in that story and and, uh, you might even want to read it more later. Uh, But he comes into conflict. Jesus tells him to pick up his mat and start walking and he gets into trouble with the Jewish leaders because it's the Sabbath day and you're not supposed to carry stuff around. So I'm not sure what they thought he should do with that dirty, stinky old mat that he'd been sleeping on for 38 years with nobody washing it. But he's trying to pick it up and walk home and he gets in trouble with the Jewish people. And and they ask him, who told you to pick up your mat? He said, I don't know. He didn't even know who Jesus was. Jesus just healed him. Kind of crazy. And then a little bit later on in the story, we read this. 
Verse 14, it says, Jesus came and found him in the temple. And Jesus said to him, now watch this. Jesus said, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. You know what I love about this? Jesus wasn't just interested in this man's health condition. He was interested in the here and now part of his life. He was interested in ongoing salvation of this man. And he was going to find him and he was going to talk to him about sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I have these little conversations with Jesus from time to time. When Jesus catches me and he says, Russ, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Anybody had those conversations with Jesus lately? Okay, this is the evidence of Jesus is saving me in the present. And that might be happening to you today. And this is the time when we just put on the helmet and we say, all right, Jesus, you're talking to me today. And, and, and I know that I'm, I'm getting messed up in my brain, so I'm gonna put on my salvation helmet. I'm gonna put on my hope helmet. And, and this is how I'm going to protect my brain. Because if I allow myself to give in to hopelessness, if I allow myself to give in to discouragement, if I allow myself to give in to temptation, my brain is going to be damaged. And bad things are going to happen. So Jesus saves us in the present as well as in the past. And then maybe you've guessed the third one. The third one is Jesus is saving me in the future. Jesus is saving me in the future. He will save me for eternity and I will be saved from God's wrath. I'm going to be saved from the corruption of this human body. All kinds of good things are going to happen in the future when Jesus brings all of salvation to its fulfillment when he comes again and when all things are created new. A couple of verses that I want to read to you about this saving in the future. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this isn't talking about praying a prayer on a Sunday morning and having your sins forgiven. This is talking about this future time when God is going to pour wrath out upon this world. And it's a day that's coming, friends. But that's not for you and me if we've put our faith in Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've invited somebody to come to church and they say, you know what, if I, if I walked through your doors, the, the walls would fall down. And what are they saying? They're saying, I'm afraid of God's wrath. And I know that I deserve judgment. But this is a verse I always want to quote to them. Listen, God doesn't want you to experience his wrath. You are not destined for wrath. And especially if you're a Christian and you're afraid of God's judgment because you feel like a failure and you feel like you've blown it one too many times, listen, you are not destined for wrath. You are destined to obtain salvation. You will be saved from the wrath of God. But you know what? More, there, there's even more than just escaping judgment. Let me take you to Revelation 21. This is talking about when, when God makes everything new when everything that is created is restored and, and, and brought into a new place. Revelation 21 says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Have you shed some tears lately? Has life been hard and it's kind of brought you to your knees? 
He's going to wipe every tear from your eyes. That's a promise you can take to the bank. The next verse goes on and says, there will be no more death. Have you lost somebody recently and it's killing you inside? There's going to be no more death in that place. There's no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And then I love this part. The one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. God is going to save us in the future from everything that causes pain and discomfort and sorrow and crying. That's what we have to look forward to because Jesus is saving me. I hope because Jesus is saving me past, present, and future. When you came in this morning, you may have tripped over the rope that I have running down the, the uh, middle aisle and out the door. And uh, I want you to imagine that this rope goes out that door and, uh, and, and circles the entire globe, the entire earth. It goes all the way around. And uh, I, I sprung for quite a bit of length of rope uh, this week, uh, but I, I was too cheap to buy enough to go around the whole globe. So it doesn't, doesn't actually go around the world. But I want you to imagine that it does, all right? And I want you to imagine that this rope represents your eternal life. Okay? Eternity is a really, really long time. And this rope, all this length of rope, represents your eternal life that God intends for you to spend with him. But this part at the very beginning of the rope, this pink part here, this represents your life on this earth. The part that we are experiencing right now. This is, this is your life. Actually, this represents my life. And I put this little piece of blue tape here to represent When Jesus saved me when I was 17 years old and I said yes to Jesus and he washed me clean. And after that time, I have been trusting Jesus to save me in the present time and that would be this pink part. And and you know what? There's all kinds of things uh, that I pray for and I trust God for and sometimes he answers my prayer and says yes. I'm gonna give you exactly what you want. Sometimes he says No, I have something different for you. Sometimes he just tells me to wait. But can I just tell you that while I'm waiting for salvation in this present time, I get really frustrated. Anybody with me? It's it's hard to wait during this pink time. But as I've been studying this week, I've just been so encouraged to know that there's a day coming when I will escape the wrath of God. And he will make all things new. And there will be no more tears and no more sorrows. Sorry about that. And nobody that I love will ever die again. I won't have any more pain when I come down the M wrong and I tweak my back. That won't ever happen again. Plantar fasciitis will be gone. The cancer that took my grandmother will never happen to anybody I love again. All these things, these are promises, and this is happening for the rest of eternity. (laughs) Sorry, did that hurt? That's because there's no pain in eternity, see. (laughs) This is why nobody sits here, is because you never know what's going to happen. 
see, we have this tendency to get really focused on this part of the rope, right? And, and do you see, this is so short when you think about this rope going all around the whole globe. But we get really focused, and, and sometimes we get really sad. Sometimes we get mad, and we shake our fists at God, and we say things like, well, if, if God isn't good enough to heal my grandma, then I don't think God even exists. I'm just going to shut him out of my life. And the reality is we've forgotten that salvation is so much more than this. And there's more to salvation than this. It's all of this. I've been thinking about this this week as I've been praying for Maddie. Chris and I are praying for Maddie multiple times a day. And, and, and we know, we remember the day that she raised her hand and prayed for Jesus to forgive her of her sins. This blue thing. And now she's in this part and we are praying and praying her aunt sits by her bed and says, Maddie, open your eyes. Maddie, wake up. We just kept telling her, Maddie, Jesus loves you. Hang on and don't give up. Fight through this. We don't know if she can hear us. We hope so. And, and, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm even praying for God to give me more faith. Because when I start to feel hopeless, I'm just asking God, help me to pray with more faith. Because I want God to heal her here. And I really hope that a few weeks from now or a month from now or tomorrow I can give you a report, Maddie woke up. I hope so. I really, really hope so. But if he doesn't heal her in this part, you know what? Maddie's going to be perfect in this part. And her brain's going to be restored. And her face is going to be restored that's been all banged up from that wreck. Everything's going to be new. Everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be beautiful. And she's going to dance and worship Jesus along with us as we worship Jesus around the throne. This is where our hope comes from. This is where our hope comes. I hope because Jesus is saving me. And even if you don't get what you want in this part of your life, friends, hang on for this part. Because Jesus is going to bring it all to you. And it's going to be worth it to hang on to the end. So let me get back to the helmet of salvation. How do I put it on? What does it mean to put salvation on and guard my brain? It's really pretty simple. It means filling your mind with those things that are going to guard your mind from hopelessness. It means intentionally filling your mind with the truth when you're tempted to believe the lie. And in your notes this morning, I've given you four verses that I, I would suggest that you not only read, but you memorize them. I want to encourage you to take those note cards home with you today, put them up on your refrigerator or your bathroom mirror or in your car and read them again and again and again and memorize them so that when hopelessness comes in, it's at the ready that you can remember that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and the Lord saves those who are crushed in, in spirit. Excuse me. Or when you've, you're tempted by the devil to think about destructive things, to think about unholy things. When the devil is tempting you to go down a sinful path, you will remember 
to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you will know what God's will is. This is what it means to put on the helmet of salvation. Fill your mind with the things that will protect you when the enemy attacks you in your head. And these are just four verses, but it's a good start. But what you need to do to protect your head is make sure that you understand you have hope because Jesus is saving you. Keep it in front of you and you will be protected and he will save you in the past. He'll save you today. He'll save you tomorrow. He's gonna save you for all eternity. Put your things aside with me, would you please? Let's pray together. Jesus, you're so generous. You're so generous. We've sung songs this morning about who you are. You're all-powerful. You're generous. You're good. You're mighty. There's so many things that describe you. But the most amazing thing is, Jesus, you loved each one of us enough to come and trade places with us. You took the judgment we deserved and traded your righteousness for our sin. And Lord, we're just so grateful. We're just so grateful. Lord, for all of us today, I want to say, come and save us. We're going to put on these helmets of salvation. We're going to guard our brains. We're going to guard our minds. And Jesus, fill us with hope as we trust you to save us today and tomorrow and forever. Thank you, Lord. I, don't want, I, I want to invite everyone here to pray a prayer with me. And I'm just going to ask you, everyone in the room, to repeat this prayer after me. And today, if you need Jesus to save you, whether it's that very first time Or if you need him to save you right now in the present, whatever it is for you, would you pray this prayer from from that deep place in your spirit and, and, and let salvation just come on you like a helmet? Would you would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your grace. I need your grace today. I need you to save me. Wash me clean, Jesus. I trust you to take away all of my past. And Jesus, save me from this situation that's causing me to feel hopeless today. Jesus, I'm trusting you to save me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus, I just feel like I just need to pray for some people that in in this quiet moment are reaching out to you. Jesus, I just just want to pray, Lord, that you you will fill us with your Holy Spirit in such a powerful way, Lord, that we will be empowered to make the decisions that we need to make from day to day. Some of us are just feeling weak, We're feeling powerless. We feel like we can't be who you've called us to be. 
because we've just been beat up for so long. So Jesus, today, I pray for an empowerment to come in a supernatural, miraculous way for somebody today that needs your power to change their lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to pray with me for, for one more thing, and uh, it's just... It's just very simple. I, I have a couple of heavy things that are on my heart that I want to share with you. I want to ask all of you that uh, you are prayers, if you will pray for these things. But also, I know some of you probably have significant needs that you need somebody to pray for you about. So I'm going to share a couple of things. Do you mind staying standing? Is that okay? I mean, you can, you can sit if you need to. Um, but just a few things that I'm really concerned about. I, I've shared the story of Maddie this morning with you. Would you pray for her? She needs her church family to lift her up in prayer. We need, we're, we're just asking God for a miracle. I also want to ask you to pray for Brenda Kunis. Uh, she's one of our missionaries. She's one of our connectors who uh, is on mission in Mexico during the winter months, and she and Art are here with us in the summer months, and she had a stroke this week, and she uh, was not out of the country. She's right here at home, thank God. And she's doing well. The Lord has completely restored everything. But she still has a blood clot in her heart that they're very concerned about. And we need to ask the Lord to dissolve that clot and have it be absorbed by her body. So would you pray about that? And then I wasn't planning on sharing this uh, today, but uh, it, it just felt, felt right in first service. So I want to share with all of you as well. Um, we're coming to the end of our lease on this building. We've leased this building for five years. And the lease is coming up at the end of October. And we need God to show us very clearly what our next steps are as a church. And so I would like to ask all of you to pray with us about those things. All right? So uh, can we pray about that? And um, I just sense some of you also just have needs that you would love for somebody to agree with you uh, with. And we've got people that love to pray. So if if you would like somebody to pray with you, would you raise your hand? And I'm going to ask some of our prayer team people to come to you. Um, If that's you, um, just raise your hand real high. Okay, let's pray together. Lord, we just want to bring all of these needs to you today. I'm so grateful, Jesus, that when we pray, you hear us and we can trust you to lead us and to guide us and to heal us and to fill us with your power. And we're just bringing every one of these needs to you. Jesus, one more time today, I want to pray for Maddie that you will wake her up out of this coma I pray, Lord, for this brain that is injured, Lord, that you will restore every nerve, every synapse, every, I don't even know all the terms, but Jesus, will you recreate that brain? You created it perfectly in the first place. Will you recreate that brain for her? And I I just believe Maddie has a mission on this earth, and we're trusting you to raise her up by your resurrection power. And we pray for Brenda, Lord, thank you for saving her life. Thank you, Lord, for healing her brain from the trauma from this stroke. Uh, And Jesus, now for this blood clot, we are praying in faith, believing, Lord, that you will dissolve that and let it be absorbed by her body and bring her back to full health. And Lord, I even pray for her diabetes, Lord, that you will miraculously remove that disease from her body and bring her to full health in the powerful name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for our church family, Lord, and this this beautiful building that you have provided for us for the last five years. 
Lord, you know what our needs are. You can see the future. Uh, We need the faith to follow you boldly. And Lord, I, I ask you to unfold our next steps for us and to provide everything we need uh, whether it's to stay here or to move on to an, a new place, Lord, you know, and we need your wisdom and your guidance. And so we ask you, Lord, to open the doors and give us the wisdom to see your footsteps ahead of us. And now for every person, Lord, that raised their hands and is receiving prayer now, God, I pray for a miracle. I pray, God, that you will change situations. And Lord, mostly today, I just want to pray that you will remove the hopelessness that brings us to a place that that we say, I can't be restored. I can't be made whole. Today, Lord, we're saying, yes, Jesus. I want wholeness. I want a miracle. I'm stepping out and saying yes to your perfect will, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for working in our lives. Everybody in the room can say amen. In Jesus' name, let it be so.